0: Welcome to the F-Word Foster Care. I'm your host, Colleen, and today is going to be a mini episode of parent advice on visitation and a little bit more about getting to know us. You don't have to be a parent in foster care to listen to this episode. If you work in child welfare or joining us to learn more about child welfare, we are happy to have you listen in today for our conversation. Welcome to the F-Word Foster Care where we get real talking about and navigating the child welfare system through parents, the department, attorneys, community, and more. Welcome to the conversation. Hey, everyone, and welcome back. We are so excited to be back. Um, we took some time off as a family to spend time together. And so this week's just going to be a mini episode. And we look forward to coming back with some guests in the next couple of weeks. If there's anything that you'd like for us to cover or certain roles you would like to learn more about, make sure to let us know. You can find us on Facebook at Families Anchor, as well as on Twitter at Families_Anchor, anchor and on Instagram at Families_Anchor anchor as well. And we'll make sure to put some of our links down in the comments. We wanted to take some time to kind of share more about us, and so we're going to give y'all guys some more information so you can kind of connect with us. We are parents of four. They are about to be 17, 14, 12, and 2. We call them by their birth order number, so 1, 2, 3, and 4. We have been married for 13 years. It'll be 14 in just a couple of weeks A little bit about myself, I had a lifelong dream of becoming a nurse, but soon after reunification, I took some time off of schooling to make reunification transition a little bit easier for the children as well as for us. It wasn't too long after that is when my attorney, and she'll be joining us in a couple of weeks, asked me to speak on a panel of other parents who had similar cases to ours. If you listen to our first two episodes, you know that's kind of where this entire journey of advocating within the child welfare system kind of began for us. I've been a parent navigator, which is a parent with child welfare experience who mentors and navigates parents who are currently in the child welfare system. I've been doing that for about seven years now, and I believe I'm still the only one in the state of Georgia. I'm currently looking for more parents who have been reunified for at least the last year to join me and um, become a parent navigator. So make sure you contact me if you are interested in that as well. I have had the honor and privilege of presenting nationally and statewide at American Bar Association conferences, multidisciplinary conferences, and more. I like to focus on the system as a whole team. I personally would love for everybody who works in child welfare to have a team shirt and it just says like family on it. And then on the back has like your role because in all honesty, that's what we're here to do. We're here as a team. It's one of the only times I think in law you're ever going to find where everybody has the most common goal which is reunification. And we understand that that's not always the case, but majority of children are returned to their parents. And so it's so important that we as a team work together to give these families the best resources, services, and support that we possibly can give them to give them the best foundation for their families to grow and thrive in a healthy, safe way. Derek is an upholsterer, which is just one of his many talents. He has not been as hands-on within the child welfare system as a support until more recently, but he has been a tremendous support for me, especially when things get stressful and defeating in child welfare. He is an amazing Mr. Mom and jumps into action when I'm out of town or in court all day. And more recently, he has been more hands-on through our company, Families Anchor, and has been working with some parents as well. Families Anchor is our business baby. It just turned one years old on July 1st. Families Anchor provides parent navigators and parent support groups at this time in Georgia. And we are looking to train more parent navigators. Like I said, if you are out there and you've been reunited with your family for at least the last year, make sure to contact us and we would love to touch base with you and kind of talk about that process. So let's kind of jump into our subject for today, which is advice on visitation. So we're not psychologists or doctors or case managers or anything like that. We're parents, right? So our advice is through our own personal experience as well as through experience that we've had with parents that we've worked with. So visitation is something that I've actually have had a few people, not just parents, but also community members, service providers, and some other attorneys have reached out to kind of say, like, we need to talk more about visitation, because we really touched on some visitation when Derek and I talked, as well as when we had Candace on, and we kind of talked about what visitation was like. Now, our cases were about eight years ago, so things have changed, not significantly in regards to visitation but there has been some changes. So today we're just gonna kind of talk about what can you do as parents and service providers and attorneys and community members to kind of work on visitation and get the most out of visitation, especially right now during COVID. So our experience, if you listen to our story, is that visitation basically sucks, right? (laughs) Let's be honest. Visitations aren't the best in child welfare. They're not natural, they are short, they're weird, They're uncomfortable and so visitations are not always the most positive experience for families not just for parents but for children too it's just not natural so how can you get the most out of your visitations and how can you help families get the most out of their visitations most visitations are going to be what's called community visits these visits are happening outside in the community however usually they're not actually in the home community They're usually in the community where the foster home is or halfway, depending on the distance between the child's home community and the child's foster care community. These community visits are typically at places like McDonald's or other fast food restaurants. And actually McDonald's is one of the most popular visitation sites in our country. We hear about this all the time when we go to conferences is these are the most common places. And when you think about that a year to two years, Sometimes longer, because cases typically go on like that. Sitting back and you're thinking, how does that work for two years? I don't know, to be honest with you. <laughs> and I lived through it. I still don't know how it worked out, but it did. It just wasn't as positive as it could have been. Some other places are parks and playground areas, children's play centers, like a jumpy place or something similar to that, movie theaters and libraries, bowling alleys and miniature golf, and a therapist's office. Some places that parents ask for and would love to have visitations at are in their own home or in a family member's home, being able to go to church services together or even just visiting at their church, their child's home community, being able to do something that the child loved to do in their community before the removal, being in an atmosphere that would work for them to work on their parenting skills, like being able to give their child a bath. We kind of touched on that, too, in one of the episodes, I think, with Candace, was sometimes parents, their children are removed at the hospital at birth. And by the time reunification happens, they're toddlers. They have a routine in bath time. Parents, especially if they're new parents, have missed out on all of those milestones throughout learning how to give a bath. And so when they're reunified, it's like, here's your child. Figure out how to do bath time with them now. And those are also just something that you want to do as a parent. You want to be part of their bath time. You want to be a part of reading stories goodnight or getting them ready for bed or doing homework with them. These are all things that a lot of parents want to do, make meals for their children. They sometimes will go through and find all kinds of things on Pinterest and other cookbooks and websites. And they find meals and they want to make them for their children, but they're not able to. So just being able to do more family activities that you would do at home or some things that parents have expressed that they really wanna be able to do at visitations. It's also an opportunity for them to work on the parenting skills that they're learning in therapies as well as parenting classes, and they wanna be able to use those skills that they're learning. They also wanna attend school functions and extracurriculars. Now, sometimes things like school functions and extracurriculars can happen if there's a good relationship between the foster parent and parents. And we did hear about that in our episode with the Adams family is that they had an amazing relationship with this parent and that relationship was so strong that she was even able to come over to their home and help out. And those are the things that parents want to be able to do and can happen if there's a strong relationship with foster parents. Unfortunately, that's not usually the case in most situations in child welfare. It is becoming more prevalent within the last year or so, but it still has some ways to go to really start to make that work. So how can you make the most out of your community visit? Well, you can try to go somewhere where you can do more than one thing. So McDonald's is a little tough. You can eat and you can play. That's basically it. The park and some libraries are some really good places that you can get the most out of your visit in a community visit. Usually there's a green space where you can sit, you can run around to play tag, you can learn a dance, You can bring board games and Twister, you can play other games, you can have a picnic, you can do homework or extra school activities or arts and crafts. Then you also have the opportunity to go on a playground and play and swing. So you have a lot of different components that you're able to work on and be part of when you're at a park, as well as libraries. There's some libraries that have different activities depending on the different age groups. They might have story time or robotics club or some other things like that that you can work on with your child. You could have opportunity to read books, play a game, do a small craft. If there's green space outside, you can do a picnic and run around. So those places, you're going to have a lot more opportunities to interact with your child in a more natural way. And if you're looking for some arts and crafts to do, I know that um, different arts uh, places like Michael's and Joanne's have some really cute arts projects, as well as the Dollar Store always has different art supplies there as well. You can also check your church or a local church if they're open currently. And if so, if they would allow a visitation to take place there. Some of them have small kitchens that you can use to make a meal and you can have a family meal together sometimes they have a playground or a playroom again with covid you might have to work on where you might be able to find places like that but those are some great opportunities for you as well so that brings us into covid visitations we're going to talk a little bit more about these because This is what's happening currently. And I am seeing service providers and parents and the department and attorneys. We're we're all trying to figure out how to make the most out of the situation that we're in right now and in this pandemic. So it's made things weird and difficult in child welfare and obviously around the world. Visitation at the beginning of the pandemic We're ending with little to no heads up. You know, we had parents that were going to their visit or were at their visit, waiting for their child, only to get a call and say, "Visit's not going to happen today." we don't know when we'll resume in person, someone's going to call you and set up a video call between you and your child. And so parents were distraught. They didn't get opportunity sometimes to say bye to their child or to tell them, I want to see you, we're going to see you later. But right now, like we are going through this time and I don't want you to get sick. I don't want to get sick. We need to make sure we're safe and healthy. They didn't really get to have a bye visit before all this started. So that was kind of difficult. And then having to wait sometimes longer than a week before they got to start to see their child on Zoom. Things got a little different, and right now we're starting to come out of that. Some parents, they were able to go and see their child in person. Others were not. Majority, I would say, around the country were not being able to go see their children in person, and were doing video or phone calls with their kids. So we thought that this was only going to last for just a couple weeks. So we were like, okay, this will be okay. But then two weeks turned into four weeks which turned into like 111 days. Some families were able to start in-person visits not too long after our state opened back up, but a lot of families are just now starting to get in-person visitations. So during these Zoom calls, some of the things that were coming up was that toddlers obviously are not the best Zoom participants. <laughs> they are not excited to be on a phone for longer than a couple minutes. So our parents were really having to think outside the box on how do you connect and bond with your child through a phone? And we came out with some pretty good ideas and I welcome any extra ideas that anybody has. Please let us know because it would be great for us to be able to pull those together um, as resources for parents. So what do you do when you haven't seen your child for hundred days in person? All you can do is see them on a phone call or see them on Zoom, which you also have a supervisor on there too. So you have to share it with three people. So an infant toddler, some of the things that we found is that if you find what their favorite toys are in their foster home and you purchase those in your home you can pick them up and say hey look at this look at this apple look at this giraffe and they'll find their toy that looks like that and they would sometimes interact that way you can pull out some books and read them books and play peekaboo and sing songs and dance around kids aren't gonna always watch you but that's okay just hearing your voice even as they're running around their room and you can't see them they're listening and they're hearing your voice and that's still a great bonding opportunity For older kids, we found that playing games like trivia, learning a family-friendly type of TikTok dance, or making up your own dance, playing 20 questions, playing Would You Rather is a great one. You know, you can come up with some really funny things. Pinterest has some really great ideas, too, and some questions that you can ask. Like, would you rather eat cold spaghetti or cold pizza? Come up with some fun questions, and you get to learn a lot about your child that way as well. So what happens after the 90 to 100 or more days that goes by where you didn't get to see your child? What is that going to be like? We've experienced that some parents and children have had anxieties over this first visit and it's understandable. You've gone three, almost four months or more without seeing your child and your child not seeing you physically and being able to be around one another. So that's totally understandable to have anxiety and to be scared and to be worried and nervous Those are totally normal feelings to have, you know, especially when you're going into the visit and you're told we have to put up rules, you have to social distance from your child, you're not gonna be allowed to hug them, you have to wear a mask, they're gonna be wearing a mask, you're entering into an extremely unnatural family environment. So you're going to have some obstacles that you have to overcome. Sometimes with the younger ones, the infants and toddlers, if they're having visitation, a lot of times it's harder to have um, social distancing with them. So we're not seeing it as often with our infants. We are seeing uh, becoming more lax with um, our older kids that are seeing parents and everything because it's so unnatural to say you're not allowed to hug one another. You can't be near each other. You have to stay away. It's just, it just makes it a very weird and awkward situation for everyone. Everybody around. So for infants and toddlers, our experience has been that some will run right up to their parents and or reach for their parents and go to them with zero issues. Others have been very timid or standoffish. There's not a right or wrong way for a child to react when they see their parent for the first time in however long. It's not saying that they don't love you or they don't want to be around the parent. It may take a couple of weeks for them to warm up. It may just be at the end of the visit that they're finally warmed up and remembering the environment that they had before all of this. Some things that parents have tried and have had success with their child who may be a timid or unsure to come around them after their video calls during COVID is that they bring a toy that they try ch- that their child plays with so again bringing in that favorite toy that maybe you played with on the video call with them or one that you know that they have at their foster home and bringing it with you so that they are comfortable it's something that they would be familiar with and they may come over to you or may want to play with that toy also playing fun nursery rhymes singing songs and kind of dancing around just allowing them to come to you reading Book, and sometimes kids will eventually walk over and sit down with you and start to reconnect in that way. Parents have seen that sometimes this happens that first visit, sometimes, each visit it starts off with some timidness and then their child warms back up to them. And then before they know it, they get to their next visit and their kid is just running towards them or basically jumping out of the arms of the transporter to get to them. So it's just going to take time and some patience in some cases. So just keep up the awesome work that you're doing and continue to just build that relationship and that bond. So for preschoolers, elementary schoolers, as well as some teens, they are maybe angry, confused, frustrated, standoffish, quiet, it's okay. This is a weird time. It's weird for everybody, especially if you're having a social distance and wear a mask around your child and they around you. They may have had certain rules told to them before they come to their visit and they're nervous about how this interaction is going to be. They may have already gone out in public a few times and had seen the awkwardness that surrounds them. So just take some time with them. Bring a game that you can play with social distancing if that's the requirement for your visit. Ask if you can bring snacks or a meal. Try to talk and do things that you did on your video call. So maybe some of those would you rather questions, work on the dance you're working on. If your kids love karaoke, make sure you got some karaoke songs. And as visits continue, you're going to see that your child is able to interact more naturally with you, even with any restrictions that are there, like social distancing. So other visitations are within the home. They may be within the child's actual home, the foster home, or a family member's home, or friends. These environments are more natural. Parents are able to use their skills, their parenting skills that they have been working on and have learning, or that they have already mastered prior to child welfare. And they're getting the opportunity to start to bond with their child in a more natural, meaningful way. These visits, when you first start them, can be super weird. And I know we kind of touched on that in one of our first episodes. I think our reunification It's weird when your kids come home for the first time, especially for those first visits. You're relearning each other in your natural environment. You're relearning people's habits. You're relearning their likes and dislikes of food, of temperature within the home, the feelings of blankets. Oh my gosh. That was a big one I also learned about was the type of blankets my kids preferred um, at that time over the ones I thought they liked. So you learn some interesting things in those times. Kids may come back to these home visits and they're static and they walk in without any anxieties, without any pushback, and it's a wonderful visit. The next visit, there may be some pushback. There may be some behavioral things that come up. Just know that this is a transition. This is a process for children to kind of go through as well as for parents. Remember those parenting techniques and the skills that you've learned. Remember any coping skills that you learned in counseling and reach out to your service providers and your support team if you have questions about your visitations. If you are excited about something that happened to your visitation, make sure that you reach out to your case managers and your attorneys and your service providers and say, this is what happened to my visit and I'm so excited. It was wonderful. It was awesome. And I just wanted to share it with you. Share a picture with them. We have to celebrate the exciting things that happen during visitations and these bonding times as well. Because really a lot of fun things happen during them and funny moments and we need to share them and we need to celebrate them. So make sure you reach out to people. For my service. Service providers and case managers and attorneys and support partners and even judges. Ask parents what is something they want to celebrate about their child and about their family? Because I'm sure that they are just overflowing with some celebrations that they want somebody to listen to and hear. So ask them about them. So we hope that some of these ideas have sparked some positive conversations. Sometimes we get compliant in child welfare and forget to think outside the box. I really encourage everybody that works within the child welfare system, think outside the box and think about what can I do to make different experiences better for families? What can we do? And we've been doing a lot of it right now with COVID. We really have had to think outside the box. And I think some of the things that we've done have been really great and beneficial and things that we can keep implementing as we start to go back into normalcy. To parents that are currently walking through the child welfare system, know that you are strong, you are courageous and able. Court dates may be getting pushed back, some indefinitely. Visitations may not be natural. And really, when are they natural? (laughs) Cases are stalled and reunifications may take longer. Services may be harder to find and secure. Visitations may not be in person yet but just know that you're not forgotten. To the community service providers, the department attorneys and other stakeholders, your support and hard work does not go unnoticed. We are all in an unknown world right now. You're not alone in this journey either. Stay tuned next week, you guys, and you will hear from youth alumni in another mini-ish episode. And then in two weeks, we're gonna speak to a child attorney and discuss her role in child welfare. You do not wanna miss that. She is definitely somebody you will wanna hear. It's through awareness and conversations we find unity in child welfare. We'll see you guys next week.